Hi, and welcome back to the Truly Rich Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Combs, and I'm really excited today to be talking with CEO, speaker, author, coach, mentor, Logan Stout. There's not a lot uh, you haven't done and accomplished, and so we're excited to uh, to talk with you today, Logan. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Well, let's dive right in. I want to start with your background and your story. You've got a unique upbringing, and, and really your story of success is unlike a lot of people you weren't born into money or, or anything like that. So how did you navigate as you grew up dealing with the kind of wealth that you, you deal with nowadays, not growing up around around money? Well, I mean that's a that's a loaded question. I mean obviously uh I think money just really reveals more of who you already were in the first place. You know, I I, I joke around with with young guys and young girls that I mentor that come into fame, whether they're professional athletes or, you know, Grammy award winning artists or whatever. And I, I said, listen, money doesn't change. It just reveals you already were. If you were a stinky turd prior to money, you're going to be even stinkier with money. You know, so it just, <laughs> it just highlights who you really are at your core. And, and so thankfully, uh, uh, I've always been motivated to earn income uh, and make money because of two major reasons. One, when you grow up the way I grow up and, you know, you, you, you go without and you don't have stuff. Uh, and you see kids that you go to school with that do have stuff and they do get to go on cool vacations or they do have the coolest, you know, Air Jordans and or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, I'm wearing hand-me-down clothes from somebody I don't even know who gifted them to us, right? It, obviously, it, it creates a burning desire to go, you know what, I want some of those things. I want to be able to, and for me, really, it was more, uh, I prayed one day that I'd be able to have children of my own and I wanted to be a dad that could provide not only for my kids, but I wanted to provide for my spouse I wanted to provide for my mom. I wanted to, to do things for people. And that sort of segued into, you know, even where I am today, what drives me to continue to, to do what I do and, and, um, and create wealth is I love to give. I just, you can't give what you don't have. And, you know, you look around the world and all the people that are hurting and struggling. I just look at it this way. The, the more I have, the more I can do with it. Uh, and the more people I can mentor to create wealth. And help create wealth. The more they, the more good they can do with it, right? So it's this duplication effect of of doing good, and not for the applause, but for the cause, right? I just feel like sometimes people get lost in doing things for the attaboys and, and the attagirls and the applause of of giving versus doing it just because you should, right? And you know, look, I got to throw myself under the bus. You know, I was fortunate, you know, to create a lot of money in my early twenties, and when you do that, you know, you at least I did anyway. I hope. hope I can correct other people's course of actions. You know, I bought the fancy cars and all the stuff. And listen, there's nothing wrong with, you know, having some nice things. But, uh, you know, I can promise you this. It doesn't make you any happier. It doesn't create any more fulfillment. It just means you have more expensive things. <laughs> That's all it is. And mm. as I've matured and as I've, I've, I've gotten older, I, I've learned I find zero value in those things. You know, I don't want some flashy car that draws your people's attention. In fact, I want people to not look at me. You know, uh, so it's just funny how you kind of go through that process. So for me, again, there's a loaded question because I'm having all these flashbacks of all the stupid purchases I made thinking it'd make me happy or, you know, something. And as you mature, you, you realize that's not where your identity is. At least it shouldn't be. And, you know, it, it makes no sense to buy things to impress people you don't even know. Uh, that that serves no purpose. But what does make a difference is when you can provide for people you don't even know, when you can make an impact uh, in people's lives that could never repay you. And I love the saying that says you've never truly lived until you've done something for someone else that can never repay you. And 
I'm a living, breathing example of that. How I was off track, you know, buying stuff that made no sense, thinking it would, I don't know, somehow complete me. Because maybe because when I was younger, I didn't have any of those things. So I felt like it was a status symbol or maybe I felt like it was a way of saying, look, I did it. And then as you mature, you realize none of that means anything, you know, none of that means anything. And so for me and my wife and even our kids, it's uh, our greatest fulfillment is, is, is how we can make an impact, how we can serve not only uh, with our money, but serve with our time and, and how we can really just use the, the gifts and the blessings and the platform that we have today to leave this world better than we found it tomorrow and into the future. No, I love that. You touched really exactly on what this podcast is all about and encouraging and, and helping others see the real and honest view and purpose of, of wealth as we build it, as we grow it and, and what we do with it. And so a lot of what we talk about naturally is generosity. And obviously the first thing that comes to mind is giving financially, but a lot of what you and your wife Haley have implemented in part in generosity is is giving financially, but being involved where you guys give. And one of the reasons why I was excited to talk to you today is you're obviously a baseball guy. I'm a baseball guy. You've poured tons of time and years into this organization called the Dallas Patriots. Explain a little bit of the background of, of why this organization was created and the generosity involved and why that's been such an important role in you and your family's lives. Yeah, I appreciate you asking that. You know, it was in the in the 90s uh, that I started the Dallas Patriots. And, you know, I was actually laying on my bed. Um, I was playing college baseball and I was supposed to go play summer ball, Cape Cod League or something like that. I just, I don't know, God just laid it on my heart to coach and to use the platform of baseball to to pour into young men and to help them see what life's really all about. And, and I didn't even know what direction to go, but, but I do, what I do remember is when I was 12 years old, there was a man named Richard who saw me throwing a football with his son uh, at Canyon Creek elementary school in the playground. Uh, or maybe it was North junior high. I can't remember, but he saw me throwing a football. Anyway, long story short, uh, he's the one who sort of got me into baseball and I was 12, I think at the time. And, um, you know, he'd take, take me to practice, take me to games and basically help me dream bigger and help me do things I may not have been able to do on my own. And, and, uh, it really inspired me. And obviously I went on, got to play, you know, had all my college education paid for and got to play a little professional baseball and all that. But, uh, I just remember, uh, sitting there in college going, man, I wish I knew then what I know now. And that wasn't just about baseball. It was about just life in general. And, uh, so anyway, I started the Dallas Patriots and, uh, to this day, I'm very active. Uh, you know, uh, as we're recording this, we're getting ready to start 2021 here in a few days. And it was mm-hmm. crazy to think about that. Uh, and I just feel like in today's world, and I, I don't know what the viewing audience is, uh, I don't know their views on life, but I'm going to share mine just because it's who I am. Uh, I'm a Christian. I'm a man of faith. Um, uh, and I have friends that are not. So if, if you're listening to this and you're not so sure about that old concept, look, that's okay too. Uh, I believe my job as a Christian is to love people, not judge people, uh, to connect with people, not go around correcting people. And so really it's just to, to connect and to build a relationship because a relationship can lead to a trust, which can lead to influence. And when there's influence, um, you can transform people's lives. And so for me, coaching kids enables me to meet kids and their families that I ordinarily would never have a chance to meet, number one. Number two, which means we have a chance to make a positive impact in their lives, not only 
for baseball, which obviously what's cool, every kid that has graduated, every single player that has graduated to the Dallas Patriots organization going over two decades now has been afforded the opportunity to play college baseball, uh, which is really cool. And if, if not for college baseball, I would not have been able to go to college. Right. And so because uh, my family just didn't have a lot of money. And so uh, it was a blessing for me. But uh, I'll tell you this. We live in a day and age where <clears throat> people refuse to step foot in a church. Uh, and quite frankly, uh, there's a lot of good reasons why. <laughs> you know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of churches that are completely off track and they have whatever agendas they got going on. And uh, it's, it's hard. To, it's hard nowadays to find a good Bible church, a church that actually, you know, is preaching the word of God versus some, you know, uh, different bent on religion. And for me, I have found that coaching kids has given me an opportunity to build a real relationship with them, to get them plugged into what really matters more than anything. And that is the creator of the world. And uh, again, some of you listening to this, you may you may struggle with this whole concept. And I did, too. I mean, I didn't even uh, I didn't even believe there was a God until I was about 17 years old uh, uh, when I accepted Christ into my heart and into my life. And it changed my life forever. And in fact, I would I would strongly encourage if anybody if if you knew the God that I know, you'd run into his arms. That's what I would tell you. I don't know how people do it. I don't know how people do it without God. I really don't. I, I Life is lonely. It's a lonely world. And um, it seems like the older you get, the lonelier it can get. And, and I know God's always been there for me in my deepest, darkest moments. And and listen, for you all listening to this, you, you may look at somebody and you see, you know, I've written books and I've made all this money and blah, 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 blah. Listen, we're all human and we all got stuff, you know, and, uh, you know, God has been my 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 rock. I mean, he's been everything for me. And uh, I just don't know how people do it without him. And so uh, I know I'm probably getting off track here with your original question, but I started the Dallas Patriots because I remember having it all. I remember having everything the world tells you is important and everything the world says is awesome. And yet I was still empty. I felt like something was missing in my life. And so for me, uh, with the Dallas Patriots, it's threefold. One, yeah, we're, we're going to give them the greatest baseball experience possible, uh, no doubt. Uh, number two, we're going to we're going to teach life lessons and leadership and mentorship about what it really takes to succeed in life through the lessons of baseball. Right? Like you don't you don't provide for your family because you tried. You provide for your family because you you went out and won. You provide for your family because you got it done. Right? I mean, that's the bottom line. You got you got to cross the finish line to earn something in life. And I think the world we're living in, it's this whole participation world. Well, listen, you don't just participate and, and win the job. You don't just participate and provide for your family. That's not how it works, right? Like getting older is inevitable. Getting better requires work. It requires intentionality. And so I just, I think it's important to teach these kids, whether they're eight years old uh, or whether they're, you know, professional athletes. Listen, uh, you have an opportunity here to learn how to win in life. And by winning in life, that means it's going to open doors for you to win again and again and again and again. And then ultimately, it's going to open doors where you can teach other people how to win in life. And so that's number two with the Patriots. And number three, I believe when you can help kids accomplish their baseball dreams, you can help them grow as young men and they realize you don't want anything from them. You want everything for them. I think that opens a door to help help them really hear about at least in my world, it helps them hear about my best friend, which is Jesus, and to explain who he really is based on the Bible and not not what the world may say he is. And uh, and so for me, that's why I started the Patriots. And I, I can't believe it's been well over two decades now. And to see how 
kids have gone on and accomplished their goals and dreams. In fact, they've come back and they work for us now, which is really cool. <laughs> and and what's, mm. what's scary is a lot of those kids that I've coached over the years, their kids now play for the Patriots, which uh, that kind of dates me. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, first time that happened, I remember I was going, oh, that means I'm getting really old. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, so – no, thanks for asking about the Patriots, man. It's uh, it's something I, I, my wife and I live and breathe every day. It, people think we're nuts because of how much time it costs us and how much money it costs us. But I don't know, man. Uh, you can get money back. Um, but, you know, to change a life and to transform the trajectory of a person's life, especially we have a lot of kids who, you know, they don't have parents or maybe they're, you know, they just have a tough home life. And we're able to come alongside those kids and sort of be a parent role for them. And I think one of the greatest humble titles a person can be called as coach. And uh, every time one of those kids calls me coach, I, you know, it's very humbling and I, it's a responsibility that I'm grateful for. Mm. No, I appreciate you saying that. And there's so many little nuggets of wisdom I, c- I could pick out there, but uh, to really sum it up, I just, I, I brought it up and wanted to ask you that because I know how important it is to you. And it's a key part in the way that you give back to the community and, and to kids. And, and so, uh, and that kind of pivots into the the next question of you really do have your hand in a lot of different pots you manage a ton you're a ceo of multiple companies you're traveling all over the place and yet you still have time for the dallas patriots and and do all that you do there how do you manage all that you're doing while also remaining focused on what is most important uh, your faith and your family and, and being a great steward of all these resources and gifts that you have man that's a again another loaded question um you know, I've always believed it's, it's whenever people say they don't have time, uh, it always bothers me because we all have the same exact amount of time. It's not the time in the day that counts. It's what we put into the time each day that counts. And I just feel like most people just waste time. My latest book that just launched called Grit Factor, we actually did some research on uh, on just, just time. And uh, the typical human being, and this is prior to this world we've lived in in 2020. So it's gotten worse. Uh, but the typical human being reads rough, just under two hours a day of social media. That's two hours a day of just completely rotting your brain and wasting your life. Listen, I'm on social media and please connect with me on social media. All my stuff's at loganstout.com. So all my social media handles, but the key is I think use social media. Don't get used by social media. And so anyway, that's just one example of how people just waste time. And so I, I've always, I, I've been asked this too. In fact, I was I spoken at an event recently and they, I opened up for Q&A afterwards and they asked about time management. Logan, they kind of a similar question you asked me. They said, Logan, how, how do you manage time so well? And the truth is you can't. Nobody manages time. Time goes on with or without you, right? And so really it's how do you take advantage of the time? You can't manage it. Uh, it's how do you take advantage of it? And so for me, I'm just really intentional about who I spend time with, what I'm representing and spending time doing, and ultimately why I'm doing it. And so uh, I just don't like wasting time. I don't sit around watching TV and, and just stuff like that. I just feel like life's too short to just give, give, give the best of you, right, to something that means nothing. And then most people give what's left of them to the things that should mean everything, right? They, they give God what's left of them. Right, they give their family what's left of them. They give the people that mean the most to them their spare parts instead of the best of them. And so, for me, I'm just very intentional, and I don't get it right all the time. I mess up, you know. I think we're all guilty of that, but I'm very intentional 
about just keeping my priorities in order. And, you know, it's interesting if you look at all the things, uh, and I'm just quoting what you said, all, all the things that I do, right, whether it's speaking or running my companies or books or whatever I do, really, they all come down to the same thing. And so I look at all of them as the same thing. And that is uh, really to help people do life better, to help transform people's lives. So whether that's through ID Life and and, and their health and, and all that, or with their finances, or whether that's the Patriots, or whether that's any of the other companies I own. To me, it's all about adding value to people. And so they just have different titles and different functions. But to me, I do one thing, and that is I add value to people. And so, uh, you know, I'll tell you the, the more practical answer to your question. I'm very intentional about surrounding myself with great people. I have a zero tolerance for drama. I have a zero tolerance for people that just waste time. I have a zero tolerance for selfish people, a zero tolerance for people with entitlement, um, a zero, zero uh, tolerance for negativity. And so for me, I just surround myself. I'm very intentional about surrounding myself with people that help me be better, that help me grow as a person. I'm very intentional about that. Uh, and so if you look at any of my companies, I have phenomenal people that are really running them the day to day. And I'm more of the visionary and I stay in my lane. You know, a dear friend of mine's got named John Maxwell. He's an author and speaker. And he and I were vacationing together in Fiji a few years ago. And, and it was it was funny. He said, I said, John, what was really one of the keys to your career exploding? For those of you who don't know who John Maxwell is, he's written like 86 New York Times bestselling books. He's he's known as the number one leadership speaker and author of all time. Oh, he's incredible. He is. And I encourage everybody to read his stuff. But uh, uh, I said, John, what do you, when, when did you, your career really take off? And I'll never forget, he looked at me and he said, when I got out of the way, mm -hmm. and I go, what do you mean? He goes, Logan, I, I, as I've aged, I realized what I'm really good at and I don't do anything other than that. He goes, I hired Mark to be the CEO of my companies. They run all that stuff. I stay out of all that. I just do what I do. And he goes, that's when my company's exploded. I'll never forget when he told me that. And I've really sort of implemented that with all my companies. I stay focused on what I do. And I stay out of everybody else's business. In fact, it's hilarious if you come to like any of my offices, like uh, if you come to ID Life headquarters, which is in Frisco, Texas, my office is actually in the lobby. <laughs> all the all the actual office people always laugh; they think it's a joke. No, all the other all the stuff is behind closed doors. That you know they do all that stuff. You know, I, I can go back there when I want to, obviously, but I just stay out of their way. I, I, I find that. Uh, <laughs> You know, uh, it, it's a joke. It's a running joke. But I always tell people, if the company's not doing well, I just go on vacation for a month. I come back and they got it rocking. But uh, <laughs> no, I just think I, I just think people, uh, they really miss the mark when they try to micromanage or be control freaks. Uh, I think they miss the mark. You got to, yeah, there is no such thing as a self-made success story. I always, I always, my I, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard. Logan, you're a self-made, you know, multimillionaire. I'm like, there's no such thing. There's no such thing that, that doesn't even exist. And anybody that says that's true, they're just delusional. Uh, you look at anybody's success, there were people in their lives that came alongside them and elevated them and helped them and complimented their weaknesses and helped, helped, helped them become who they are today. No, absolutely. And I, I'm glad that you brought up the book there at the beginning of, of the answer, the grit factor, which, which came out this year and it's been a great read. I'm, I'm so glad that you, you wrote this. It's been a gift to me and to Sarah. And so thank you for writing that and sending us a copy. And, and one of the uh, things that I love about it, you define grit in the beginning as the bridge between 
where you are now and where you want to be. And obviously, over the last nine months, 10 months, our, our world has changed pretty dramatically. Uh, a lot of hurt has come from really things outside of people's control. So I want you to, I'd love for you to just speak into this idea of grit and how probably now more than ever, this is just so important to be played out in people's lives. Well, listen, it's not what happens to us in life. It's how we respond, right? And to me, uh, there's a price you pay to get what you want in life. There's a price one pays to reach their potential in life. And to me, I believe the currency is grit. And so, um, you know, I've been blessed <clears throat> as a dude who grew up the way I grew up to, you know, to be in the inner circles of, of the world, uh, from presidents of countries to uh, Grammy award-winning artists to Hall of Fame athletes to multi-billionaires. I've been, it's crazy to think this dude who grew up dirt poor, raised by a single mom, and, 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 and now that's the stuff that, that's the world that God's put me in. It's very humbling. It's, 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 it's weird. And so anyway, uh, my thought was, okay, God, you're, you're, you're putting me in all these arenas. There's got to be a purpose for it other than, you know, it just being really cool, right? There's got to be a purpose. And, and the purpose I believed was to take all this wisdom from all these individuals from all walks of life and to create a manuscript, a, a reader's manual, right? An instructor, instructions manual, if you will, for the individual to go crush their goals, to go accomplish everything that they're put on this earth to accomplish. And, and so it was interesting. So whether it's sitting, you know, having dinner at Carrie Underwood's house, right. Or flying on Troy Aikman's plane or laying on the beach with John Maxwell, as I referenced earlier, or being on Darwin Deason's yacht or whatever it is, doesn't matter. I'm not saying this stuff to name drop. I'm saying this stuff to say this book is the accumulation of going, okay, what are the common attributes that all of these people have? I mean, I remember Shaquille O'Neal, Shaq was in my office and I said, Shaq, what was your biggest struggle? You know, a lot of you may not know, but, you know, Shaq's made hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. He still does to this day. And he's a big teddy bear. Um, and and he looked at me and said, you know, Logan, uh, I got I got cut from my high school basketball team. No I, way. Him, I, go, I said, what? He goes, yeah, I got cut from my high school basketball team. I go, I've never heard this story. He goes, yeah. I go, well, how tall were you? He goes, I was about seven foot. I go, who on earth cuts a seven foot person in high school, right? Like, and he goes, Logan, I was terrible. I was terrible. I said, who cares? You're seven foot. Just stand there and raise your arms. I said, you're seven foot. But he told me this story. A lot of people see Shaq's success story, but they don't see his struggle. Troy Aikman, first, you know, first round draft pick, three, first ballot Hall of Famer, three times Super Bowl winner of the Dallas Cowboys. Troy Aikman went to Oklahoma and had to transfer to UCLA. People don't know that story. Right. Carrie Underwood told me she was done with her singing career and her parents basically begged her to go try out for American Idol. Last resort, right? Darwin Deason sold his company for $6.5 billion to Xerox. Darwin grew up on a farm in Arkansas, borrowed $50 to move to Tulsa, Oklahoma to work in a mailroom for a company he would later become the CEO for and sell it for 300 plus million. Like people don't know that about Darwin Deason, right? I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. And so I share all these stories in these books and, 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 and these are different people. I mean, Carrie Underwood is an extreme introvert. Troy Aikman is, is, is too. Shaq's the most extroverted human being ever, right? These people from different ages, different walks of life, different backgrounds, male, female, rich, poor, everything. But they have common attributes that equate to their grit factor. All of them have a high grit factor. And we outline these very intimate personal stories in a, in a user's manual for the common human being to go through this book and grow their grit. Your personality is what it is. 
but your behavior can change. And with behavior modification, you can grow grit. And when you grow grit, you grow you. And when you grow you, everything around you grows. Mentally, oh, yeah. spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally, relationally, everything. And I'm a byproduct of that, right? Personal growth is the reason I am where I am today. And so this book is really my heart on paper. And and it's it's, it's not just some read. It's literally a workbook, right? Where you literally go through the exercises. And it, if, if people will do it, they will come out on the other end of Grit Factor a, a better human being and, and a person that is literally – growing and going to go see a world in a totally different way. And so, uh, yeah, no, I appreciate you asking about grit factor. I, you know, Barbara Corcoran from, she's one of the sharks on shark tank. She wrote the forward for me. She has a phenomenal story too. grew up with roughly 10 siblings told she would never amount to anything. Obviously sold a real estate company for 70, 70, 77 million bucks. It was her take home pay. In fact, it was hilarious. I asked Barbara, I said, Barbara, what did you do with the money? She said, I put it in the bank. I said, Barbara, you, you can't put $77 million in a bank. That doesn't, that doesn't even make sense. And she goes, no, no, I did, Logan. And my favorite thing is going to the ATM machine and, and, and withdrawing some cash and seeing my balance. <laughs> oh, my word. That's a true story. Honest to God, true story. story. So, uh, yeah, no, but yeah, no, I just think that, yeah, I think grit, particularly like you said, the world we lived in in 2020, uh, and listen, the world's not going to get any easier. I mean, life is tough. And, and with advancement of technology and all the things that, that people think it makes life easier. No, it doesn't. It makes life faster. And when life's faster, it can be more stressful. And uh, I'm just really humbled and excited about Grit Factor because I, I the testimonials of people that have already read it and the letters we get and the messages I get on social media, I mean, it literally brings tears to my eyes, uh, whether it's from a single mom Who's now who's now crushing her goals to a CEO in a business who couldn't figure out how to get the company to the next level to to anything professional athletes to you know professional sports teams you know they hire me in to come speak and so do companies and it's just it's really really humbling and so I appreciate you asking about that absolutely and if there was one chapter I could highlight being on the Truly Rich podcast and you may know where I'm going with this uh, but the chapter on financial motivation, and I, I, I'm so glad you included that because a lot of people shy away from this conversation. That's one thing we try to do here is is really confront these kind of awkward things to talk about like money head on. And you said it so well, and forgive me if I paraphrase, but you don't love money. You love the fact that money can help you accomplish your purpose. And, and the more of it you have, the bigger impact you can have with what you are doing. And so, and that truth may be a little bit different for everyone, depending on what line of work they're in. But for those of us that are in business in particular, that's such a great perspective to have. And so can you lean real quickly, just more into that conversation around a healthy financial motivation? And then we'll end with, with one more question after that. Yeah. Well, I love what the great, my publishers, the same one that did Zig Ziglar's uh, famous books. And, and I love Zig Ziglar's quote. He says, you know, people say money is not the most important thing in life. But it does rank, rank right up there with oxygen on the must-have list. You know? <laughs> and, and you know, I, I think you know it's interesting. Um, I was I was being interviewed on another podcast. I can't remember who, it, maybe Grant Cardone. I can't remember who it was, but he was interviewing me. Well, anyway, long story short, a question came in, and I never realized how many people are afraid of making money. There's a lot. A majority of the population is scared of money. They literally have a fear of success. And I, I just want to let everybody understand something. You have to decide that money is important because if you don't, you're being delusional. It's just that it's that simple. Money is important. It, it, now, you 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 making money your 
your your idol, that that's a problem. Okay, but but you got to decide that money is important because money is ultimately uh, a necessity for just about everything in life, right? I said this earlier. I mean, you can't give what you don't have, and you can't serve if you don't have time to serve. And so, for me, what I found by creating wealth. A, you can give, that's obvious. But B, it allows time freedom. And, you know, Connor brought up me getting a coach at the Dallas Patriots. I, I do. I literally shut down my life over the months of the, of the summer, June and July. And I go on the road and I mentor kids. I coach kids in baseball with the Dallas Patriots. I could never do that if I didn't have the, the financial freedom that has created time freedom to do that. And so I think the next thing I would say, and this is in the book, it's, uh, I think it's chapter 17 of Grit Factor, but uh, I think it's important to realize you, you, the more valuable you make yourself, the more influence you have, and the more you can do. So make yourself more valuable. I, that's that's extremely important. And so, Connor, I lost track of your initial question because I was just I was having all these, <laughs> I was having all these. My brain was circling. I'll never forget this lady called in. It was a talk show I was on on the radio, and she called in. and She goes, "Well, I understand money's important. I I, I never." And, and what I actually said was, I said, "Listen." You are so important that you do deserve to make more money. You deserve that if you're willing to put the work in. You deserve it. You deserve more money. And, she, and this, so this lady called in, and uh, I don't remember what station I was on, but anyway, she said, uh, I never thought of myself as worthy of making more money. And I remember she said that on the air. And I went, Wow. Because for whatever reason, I've never had that issue. I've never, I, I can't relate to that. I, I've always, you know, and then it dawned on me how many people, like our, our feedback from that television, that radio interview, it was incredible how many people came back and said, yes, me too. Yes, me too. Yes, me too. Thank you. you know. And so if you're listening to this and you struggle with this, I hope, I hope some things we've said today have, have, have changed that, number one. Number two, I hope you understand that if God's going to trust you, he's going to bless you. And ultimately, that's God's gift to you. Your gift back to God is what you do with that trust and what you do with the money you create, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, don't fear money. Money is a wonderful thing. And, and I know that because I've seen the impact uh, people have been able to make through the gifting of money and the time freedom that money has provided them to give of their time, energy, effort, resources, wisdom, knowledge, you name it. Mm. No, I mean, you, you have so many pieces of wisdom in that chapter. I love how you talk about how you really, the, the goal is to stay focused on the eternal. And then uh, the quote earlier in the book that you mentioned of simply the more money you make, the more kids that you can impact. And that's what's important to you at the end of the day. And so all great things. And, and as we close out, Logan, I, I ask everybody this that comes on the show, but really what in Logan Stout's words does it mean to be truly rich? Man, that's a, that's a, you, you, th- I'm going to give you the award for the most loaded questions on any interview I've done. <laughs> You know, uh, I think people hear the word rich and they immediately think money, and and which is understandable. Uh, as I've gone through ups and downs in life and, and wins and losses and been humbled through both success and failure, uh, I've learned rich, rich is a, a combination of pretty much everything that has nothing to do with money. <laughs> you know, I grew up dirt poor. Uh, my mom loved me and my little brother like crazy. We were very rich in love and very rich in relationship and very rich 
and the time we spent together. And that's one of the beautiful things by living in a small apartment, right? You're around each other all the time. You know? and, and so we were rich in a lot of ways. We were very poor monetarily. Uh, but to me, rich uh, is reaching your God-given potential and growing it, right? There is no finish line. It's growing it in six areas of life, mentally, spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally, and relationally. And when you look at those six areas, I want to be wealthy. I want to be rich in those six areas because that means I'm growing in those six areas. I'm growing in my relationship with Christ. I'm growing the quality relationships. I'm growing, uh, obviously, my finances. I'm, I'm growing in my health. I'm continuing to take care of my body. I'm growing mentally uh, in, in the way I think and in, in, in what I, the wisdom I uh, obtain and knowledge, right? And then I'm growing um, um, emotionally, right? The way I deal with life's ups and downs. I don't get angry. I'm, I'm, I, I treat people with love and compassion and patience. And, uh, and so to me, that really, for me, in my world, and when I mentor my, my twins, I have two boys, and uh, to me and anybody I speak to, I, I, I want to I help people. I want to add value to people's wealth mentally, spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally, and relationally, because to me, that's what it means to be rich. Mm, man, good word, Logan. I appreciate you coming on the show today and, and saying what you've said. It, I feel like we, we could be talking for hours here. We didn't even get to Miles and Cooper and uh, some of the other things, but we'll maybe have to have you come back on down the road. But Logan, thanks so much for, for coming on and, and sharing your wisdom, your story, uh, and, and, just, and also your book, Grit Factor. Really appreciate you. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you.